what do people do that don't have God? I mean, because life brings some things our way that are challenging. You lose people, you lose things, you lose face. I mean, what do people do that don't have the Lord? Well, I'll tell you what they do. They chase after alcohol and drugs and sex. They take their life and they, they hurt other people and they, they bring violence into the world. That's what they do. Now, I know believers do that as well. I understand that. But the call today is for us to recognize that God has a plan for us. God has His very best for us. And it's all centered around knowing Him and His Son, Jesus Christ. Open up your Bible with me, would you, today? We want to open up God's Word. We're we're right smack dab in the middle of a series, and I'm I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here today. I, I don't know what your week has been. I don't know what your life has been, some of you, but you're here this morning. And so God has in store for us something that that He wants us to be aware of. Where we're at right now in our little series is we're going through the Ten Commandments, okay? And we're not that far in. You're you're right here at the very start. And we want to look at what God had to say in the book of Exodus chapter 20 is where we're going to be. And we want to understand what God is revealing to man. What God is revealing to man. And what we can learn about God, we can learn about people, Well, we can learn about approaching God and how we come to know Him and how we relate with the God of the universe. You know, some rules are pretty simple. I got got one up here on the screen for you. That's a pretty simple rule. Don't you agree? I mean, unleaded fuel only. I got a buddy who who laughs about a time that the, the gentleman he was working for asked him to fill up the tractor with fuel. And they pulled into the gas station and my buddy got up on the back of the, the trailer where the tractor was and filled it up with fuel, just as he was asked to do. And the owner walks out and sees what he's doing. Oh no! He's putting unleaded gasoline into a diesel engine, okay? And my friend laughs about it. The owner, I'm sure, didn't. Now here's the truth. I don't know what happens when you put unleaded fuel into a diesel engine. I have no idea. I have no idea when you put pizza sauce into a car what it would do. I have no idea. But the owner knows. And I don't think they actually put that sign on that car. I think that might be a joke. But the owner knows. Listen, the owner of the universe has spoken. And we have it in His Word. And we need to pursue God through His Word. And we can know Him. We can know Him by grace through His Son, Jesus Christ, and know what He intends for us. Unlet a few only, pretty simple rule, don't you agree? But don't let its simplicity, and here's a good warning for us, don't let its simplicity prevent you from seeing its importance. Today I want to talk about a pretty simple rule that God has for His creatures. But don't let its simplicity prevent you from understanding its importance. We see its importance all the time. I haven't told you what the law is, but we see its importance all the time. 
When you watch how man interacts with man. I mean, I've got to, I just scratch my head sometimes watching the news. And I think, what is wrong with man? What is wrong with human beings? What is wrong with us that we abuse one another and we kill one another and we hurt one another? What is wrong with us as you watch the news and you see the things coming across your television screen or your computer screen or your newspaper, whatever it is, you have to scratch your head and wonder sometimes, what is wrong with man? Well, let me just answer that for you right out, just just right, right from the start. Let me tell you what's wrong with man. There's something wrong with man. It's very simple. It's very direct. And it proves itself over and over and over and over again. It's this. Men and women, mankind, refuses to listen and glorify God. That's the reality. We see it played out in front of us over and over and over. Men and women refuse to listen and glorify God as He intended. And it breaks your heart. Today I want to talk about the first of the Ten Commandments. Okay? It's pretty simple. It's you have no other gods before Him. No other gods before the Lord. And the reality is, much of the problems we see in this world, much of them result from man choosing other gods. And really, ultimately, the, the ultimate God we choose is ourself. I mean, think about it. Think, just, just follow through this with me, would you? Just logically come with me, okay? So, God calls for us as His creatures to have Him as our God. Him to rule as the only God in our life. But man doesn't really like that. Men and women don't really want that. We want to be the God of our lives. I want to make the decisions. I want to exercise my rights. I want to rule in my life as King, as Lord, as God. But here's the truth. So do you. Everybody does. Outside of God, we all, outside of the Lord working in our lives, I mean to say, we all want to be the God of our lives. So I come to you and you come to me and I want to be God and you want to be God. I want to be sovereign and you want to be sovereign. And we bump into each other and that's what we literally do. Bump into each other. And really what it is, I'll tell you what we see portrayed for us on the television screen, on the computer screen, and on the newspaper every single day is a battle of the gods. It's a battle of the gods. One individual raging against another, a battle of the gods. One nation raging against another, a battle of the gods. Listen, there is only one. There is only one. And He calls for us to allow Him to rule supreme in our lives. And any other other way of living is outside of His plan. Especially today, if you're in Christ. If today you know Jesus as your Savior. If you have turned to Christ admitting your sin and believing on Him, calling out to Him to save you. You see, you're a new creature. 
So here's what this means. You were designed as a creature, as God's creature. You were designed to have Him ruling as your life as King. And then God did a miracle and He reborned you. He rebirthed you. He remade you. And now you're a new creature designed to have God as your King, as the ruler in your life. I invite you to that today. I invite you to allow the Lord to rule as your only God. You were made for that, and then you were remade for that. Look to Him. We're in Exodus chapter 20. Have you found it yet? Uh, Now let's just rock through what we talked about last week. Okay, when I say the word law, a lot of things might come to your mind. Okay? A lot of things biblically could come to your mind. We talked about this briefly last week. We're not going to drag it out today. But, but understand that the law can mean the Old Testament. It can mean the Pentateuch. That's your first five books of your Old Testament. It can mean the Mosaic Law, which is parts of Exodus and, and parts of Leviticus and parts of Numbers. And then it's restated in the book of Deuteronomy. It often, though, in the New Testament, when we see the law mentioned, it's actually speaking of often the Ten Commandments. And so we started asking some questions last week about the Ten Commandments. Do they apply to us today? Do they earn us salvation? Are they God's plan for us living in 2016? Good questions that we are going to answer again and again and again. Now we said, next slide please, we said that the law actually divides into Three different parts, the Mosaic Law. And I want to mention this briefly because this comes up in the media all the time. People will say this. Oh, you Christians, you say that it's wrong for one man to lie with another and you quote Leviticus. Well, it also says in Leviticus that when you build a house, you need to put a tower next to it and you always need to do that and not move the boundary markers. Well, you don't do that anymore. Why do you hold on to this homosexual law? Well, first of all, a couple of things in, a couple of things in response to that. First of all, if I'm going to show you what God has to say about sexuality, I turn to the New Testament. Jesus says there is not to be pornea among us. This is a broad, general word that means any sexual sin outside of one man, one woman for life. That's the definition of pornea. And we are called to not practice pornea. That's a Greek word. That's what it means. Secondly, I would want you to understand that in the law, there are different types. There are different types. There's the moral law, which is reflecting God's character. There's the ceremonial law, which are are celebrations to point us to what Christ would do. So the Jewish people, once a year, would celebrate the Passover when they would remember what God had done to deliver them out of Egypt. When through the shedding of blood, God protected His people. All looking forward to what Christ would do on the cross. And then we have the civil law. What the civil law is, this is the the rules, the, the ordinances, the regulations for a people who are living with God as their king. Now what happened is at the cross of Christ, do you realize, now listen to this awesome, awesome truth. Jesus is hanging on the cross, dying for sins of the world. Perfect sacrifice, had never sinned himself. And there he hung, Dying in my stead, in your place, in my place, dying for our sins. 
He crawled out, he cried out from the cross six different expressions, six, six different things that he said. But at the end, he, he cried out with his last dying breath, It is finished. And he gave up his spirit and he died. And at that moment, the Gospels record, there was this large curtain that, that was there in the temple of God. And it, it represented the barrier that is between man and God. Literally for thousands of years, God's people had stayed on one side of that curtain. They couldn't come to God. They could worship Him from afar, but they couldn't come to Him because of their sin that, that needed to be dealt with. And the Bible reveals this beautiful truth about the civil and the ceremonial law. That when Jesus died, the temple curtain tore in two, miraculously, from top to bottom, it rips apart. Opening up relationship between man and God. It's an awesome picture of what God did in that moment. One more slide, and then we'll get to our main topic for today. You can't see it, so that makes it a lot of fun. Um, so what, what we know is that the moral law, that's what this says over here, it continues today. But the New Testament is made very clear, Hebrews 10.1, Ephesians 2, that these other parts of the law, Jesus didn't get rid of them. He fulfilled them. We don't celebrate the ceremony of Jesus going to come. We celebrate that Jesus has come. In just a few weeks as a church, we'll celebrate communion together. We celebrate that Jesus has come and given us life. And some of you have said to me, I'd like to be baptized. And we're working on that, okay? We're working on that. So he said, I want to be baptized because I put my trust in Jesus. And so I want to stand before my body of believers and I want to fall down into a tub of water. And what this represents is I died in Christ and then I'm raised to new life in Him. This is how we celebrate what Jesus has done. Great truths. Great truths. But where we're at today, and I'm not there yet, but, but go there with me. We are, we are going back into the Old Testament because it's the Word of God as well. And I want us to look at Exodus chapter 20 today as we see what God has revealed to us in His Word about Him and His character. God's character can be seen in God's law. Let me read at verse number 1, chapter 20. It says this, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. We'll stop there. We'll, we'll, we'll work through that all this summer. We'll, we'll go through all ten of these. And, and I believe you will be very challenged to pursue after Christ in a greater way by looking at the Ten Commandments and applying them into our life 
today. But I want to look today at the, at the first one. You shall have, it's verse number three, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number one is this. The Lord is God alone. God is dealing with it from the very beginning here. The Lord is God alone. It's like God is saying, hey, it's about me, God is saying. I am the center of the universe, God is communicating to these people. It's not about you. The, the, the universe does not center around you. All that there is, all that there ever will be, all that there ever has been, is about God. John Piper says that God is the most God-centered person in all of the universe. God is all about Him sharing His glory with all the world. And I think we all know that. I think you can walk out on any starry night, you can get up on any beautiful morning, and you can quickly see it's not really about me. Now this is where the Lord goes. It's where God needs to go, because the the children of Israel, the Jewish people who are receiving this, you need to know they are surrounded by gods. They're surrounded by gods, and they have names. Okay, And some of these names will sound somewhat familiar to you you got the God of Baal and the God of Moloch and the God of Asherah. You have all these gods. And, and sometimes we can get to thinking, you know, well, yeah, I mean, those dumb you know, people back in the history, they, they bowed down to gods. But us today, we're more refined than that. We, we don't really do that. I heard one guy talking about this, and, and he made a great point. He said this, you know, you realize that Asherah and Molech and and Baal, you know, they, didn't really, they weren't really gods. You know that, right? They weren't really gods. They were, they were demonic powers that were working, that were working to deceive people. And I heard one guy talking about this, and he said this, Satan has crafted a great rebranding program. And no longer do we bow before Moloch or Baal or Asherah, but we bow regularly before the gods of prosperity, the gods of my personal success, the gods of my children's happiness, the gods of my home, my car, my beauty, my body, the weather, the future, the past. Our world is filled with gods, little g. And we as believers need to understand that though the world around us may be chasing after false gods, we are aware of this truth. There is one God alone. The only God. We need to follow Him. We need to follow Him. Now, I want to put this in the proper perspective, okay? I want to put this in the proper perspective. I want us to understand. See, one of my goals here in in looking at Exodus and the Ten Commandments is for us to learn how to read the Bible, how to understand the Bible. Because if the only Bible you're getting is here on Sunday morning, you are a weak, malnourished Christian, okay? You need to know how to read God's Word and understand what it means, because the truth is, his church could disappear one day. I could disappear one day. All the teachers of the church could be gone. You need to know how to follow Christ on your own. 
So how do we do that? We understand the Bible as it is, just as it's written. We take it apart and understand that what this means. Okay? So I want you to understand, first of all, that this, this Ten Commandments is given in, in a certain context. Two words for you. It's given in the context of deliverance and given in the context of relationship. Okay? Let me show you that. Verse number 2. Look what it says. Chapter 20. Verse 2, God spoke all these words and said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You see, here's what is happening. The Jewish people have been literally slaves to Egypt for hundreds of years. They were God's people. God called for them to, to be His representatives to all the world. And they landed there in Egypt through a whole series of details. And over time, they became under bondage of slavery under, is under Egypt. And some of you have seen the movie Ten Commandments. You're very, very familiar with this, okay? And God does a miraculous work and, and brings them out of slavery, okay? And when He does that, He speaks these words to them. Through, through His mouth, through God's verbal voice, He speaks to Moses who wrote this down. You've seen the two tablets, right? Charlton Heston comes out carrying those two great big rocks. Okay? The Ten Commandments listed out there. The Bible describes this as truly happening. But I want us to understand how we are to read this. Look at it with me again. Notice verse number 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now listen to this. God is a you who says, I, when addressing us. When God speaks to people, He's using a personal pronoun. Can you just allow that to to let that seep in. This is a relational God. God is not some force that has created the world and and allow us now to sort of function. God is a person who speaks of Himself with I and speaks of people as you. God is a relational being who desires to have relationship with us. This is in the context of deliverance. God has brought them out of slavery. God has done a miracle in their life and invites them now to personal relationship. God invites you to that today. You know, once in a while in my life, the Lord does some pretty neat things, I think totally to be used as an illustration. In preaching. And it, it just recently happened to me. I'm at a business establishment and I'm talking to a person and, and one thing led to another and before long, they're just pouring out their heart to me. Telling me things that they themselves said, I don't ever say this to other people. Telling me about challenges that they have and heartaches they have right there in this business. And I sat there listening And she said, I don't understand this. I never talk like this to people. 
And the Lord, I believe, gave me just the right thing to say. I said, you might find this funny. But this happens to me a lot. And she said, really? I said, yeah. I said, you might find this really weird. But the reason this happens to me a lot is because God lives inside of me. I could tell she thought I was a crazy person. She looked at me a little weird. I said, really? He does. And I was able to share with her just a brief snippet of the gospel and just speak to her truth about our personal God. God is not some mean rule giver who's giving us a standard because He wants to stomp out fun. That's not who He is. He's inviting you to relationship with Him. And when He speaks of us and Him, He uses words like I and you and we and us. Because He wants relationship. Now, He goes on and explains some more. Let's let's keep going. In this, in every... Every time God speaks, okay, you, it just seems, I mean, I guess I need to be careful saying every time, but it seems like every time I read about God speaking, I see two things that come across. And I want to share these here in this command, okay? The first one is a command, and there, there we have my word, okay? Command, but there's also a comfort. There's a warning and a wonder, amazing truth. Look what it says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. In this command, in this statement from God, you've got both a command and a comfort. You've got a warning that God gives and a truth that just causes us to wonder in amazement. Let me share it with you. Now you see that we shall have no other gods. And And that can seem restrictive. And listen, to the non-believer, to the person who's not a new creature, new creatures don't like rules. New creatures want to be... I'm sorry, I misspoke. New creatures, people who are not new creatures, don't like rules. Old creatures, that's the word I'm looking for. Old creatures, they don't like rules. They don't like rule givers. And so you might hear this and say, well, that's kind of selfish. That's kind of, that's kind of restrictive. The command, you shall have no other gods. That, that may seem restrictive, but can you see the comfort in it? The comfort is this. You get God. Yes, no other gods. But you get God, the personal, delivering God, can be yours. Let that hit you. Yes, you can talk to somebody, if you're in Christ today, and you can say to them, no, we'll see, God lives inside of me. There's a command and there's a comfort associated with every single one of these Ten Commandments. 
And I want to drill down on this just a little bit more, okay? Keep your finger here and go back to the, go, go forward into the book of Romans. Go all the way into the New Testament. I want you to go to Romans chapter 1. I want us to see here the, the warning that God gives us. The warning, the command that is inherent in the statement, you shall have no other gods before you. Go with me all the way into Romans chapter 1. And let's read for just a minute about what God has to say about these other gods. Romans chapter 1. We'll jump in here at, say, verse 21. Speaking of people who are rebelling against God, the old creatures, it says this. Chapter 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, it says, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonor of their bodies among themselves. Here it comes. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. One of the difficulties about talking about false gods is it's challenging to see them in our own life. It's very difficult to recognize them in our own life. But here we see what they look like. They are worshipped and they are served. I want to challenge you today for God to be your only God. And where you look to find those things that are tripping you up is what do you worship and what do you serve? Now you have to know what those words mean. Worship doesn't mean singing a song. That's not what it means. Oh, we worship today through song, but that is not what worship means. Worship at its root means to give worth is what it means. Worship means to give something worth. You want to see the false gods in your life? What do you give a worth that exceeds that that God has already given it? God has given worth to many things. What do you give a worth to that exceeds what God has given it? That's how we identify these false gods in our life. The second thing we do is we serve. What does serve mean? Serve means to sacrifice oneself to meet the needs of another. To sacrifice oneself to meet the needs of another. So Romans here is identifying how we find those things in our life that are rivaling God as God in our lives. It's the things that we give a greater worth than what God had intended. I've heard Pastor Billy up here say, we measure the value of a commitment bow, easily it is bumped. We look in our lives and see, what is it that has worth in my life. What do I sacrifice to provide what it calls for? 
Listen, we... There's a guy named Calvin. You ever heard of John Calvin? Okay? Old dude. Okay? Very, very old. And he said this. Clear back like in the 1500s or something, he said this. Man is a perpetual factory of idols. Man is a perpetual factory of idols. I hear that and I'm like, how's... How does John Calvin even know what a factory is? I thought this was before the Industrial Revolution. But man is a perpetual factory of idols. See, this is the warning. This is the command. What are you worth? What do you give worth to? What do you serve? Let me show you New Testament. The comfort. Turn a couple pages over. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Here's the wonder. Here's the comfort. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1. Can I just say, I love to hear those pages turning. That's really cool. I love to hear turning in the Bible. I know, electronic, I got that. But man, that's a cool thing to hear. Can you hear it? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Folks, the call here of God. Today, in 1400 B.C., when Moses was sharing the Ten Commandments that God had given to him, is this. You were made for relationship with God. And it only comes through Christ. He is our life. And I know we are surrounded by thousands and millions and billions of people who are calling out, worship with me, worship with me, worship before the false gods. But if you're in Christ today, He is your life. He is your life. He receives the greatest worth. He's the only one that we serve. He's the only one that we worship. He's the only one that we sacrifice to our very life. Watch out for this. You know, just as a pastor, I've been, I mean, I've been laboring over this issue, this first commandment. And I, and I want to throw ten things up on the screen. I'm not going to get there. I'm probably going to run out of time. But I've just been, I've been praying for our church. God, root out this idolatry that comes in our lives. Let us be like a city on a hill, like a light in a dark room, like salt. Let us be different. And I've thought about it, I've realized that many of us are we're chasing after false gods and some of us don't even know it. And it wrecks lives. It destroys lives. It destroys the lives of believers. It destroys the lives of unbelievers. It destroys the lives of our children. It destroys the lives of our family. So I want to share with you just from my heart this call against 
false gods. And I got ten things. I'm going to try to get through them. I'm going to put them on the screen. My challenge is I want you to pick four and write them down and pray about them. Okay? The first one is in just the importance of this. Idolatry is man's greatest problem. It's not his environment. It's not your circumstance. It's not your boss. It's not your jerk husband. It's not your difficult wife. It's not those kids are driving you crazy. It is idolatry is man's biggest problem. When we, when we decide to be sovereign, when we want to rule, and our wife wants to rule, and the two of us come together, we collide. We collide. I'm telling you over and over and over, I've done, I've done so much marriage counseling. I've done so much sitting there across from couples and watch them bite one another and hurt one another. And at the end of the day, I just have to say, if you just swallow self, if you just put yourself aside, it's man's greatest problem. Secondly, the other nine commandments reveal our idols. This one you need to think about. The other nine commandments reveal our idols. You know why he commits adultery? The idol of sex. You know why she hurts with her words and tears down with her words? She doesn't value life, so she's willing to murder with her tongue. Over and over and over. The nine commandments reveal the idol in our life of self. It's very important. I want to help you. I want you to accept this, okay? So number three is this, and this one will sting some of you. You don't even know your own idol. It is very difficult to see your own idol. As, as witnesses to this, let me bring up the, Israeli, the, the kings of the nation of Israel. Let me bring up the, the Pharisees in Jesus' day. Let me bring up the Judaizers that Paul dealt with. They didn't even realize they were wrong. The worst person to identify your idol is you. You've lived with it so long. You're so comfortable with it that it feels okay now. You are the worst person to identify your idol. So what's the solution? What's the solution? The solution is you have a relationship with somebody another man or woman of God, and you can look him in the face and you say, listen, I'm going I'm to mimic a conversation I had this week. You better tell me any idols in my life. You better speak the truth to me. If there's an idol in my life, you better tell me. I want to know it. And when somebody shares it, I need to listen. I need to listen. Because we are the worst ones to evaluate the idols in our life. If you wonder what it is, if you are wondering today, do I have something that acts as a God in my life? I challenge you. You go to another believer who knows you and you ask them. 
and you open up your heart, and you open up in a way that says, listen, you can tell me. It's safe. I'm not going to bite your head off. I'm asking you to tell me. If you can't find anybody else, you come ask me, I'll tell you. <laughs> that was kind of a bad joke. Um, I invite the same thing with me. We need one another. Admonish one another. Confess your sins one to another. Encourage one another. Teach one another. Pray for one another. Restore one another. Folks, it's all through the Bible. Four. Watch out for this one. Good things. Elevated to God things is idolatry. Good things. Listen, your kids are a good thing. You make them the reason for your living, and they're an idol. Your marriage, your spouse is wonderful. I think she's awesome. Okay? He's an awesome guy who you're married to. You raise them to a God thing, and that's idolatry. That's idolatry. And the Lord doesn't handle idolatry well. He says He resists the proud. Pastor John read this for us. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. God doesn't, God doesn't handle idols in His children's lives very well. Don't elevate good things to God things. Number five. Um, idols disguise themselves as plural priorities. Did you know, I, I, I made sure on this, I talked to him about this last week, and I, I checked my source. Did you know prior to the 1940s, the word priority was virtually never pluralized? Think about that. Find a dictionary prior to the 1940s, turn to priority, and look for the plural version. It's not there. Why? You can't have plural priorities. You've got one. You've got one. Watch out for these. Our fears, number six, our fears and emotions often betray our idols. I wrote some questions down here. Stay with me, okay? I know this is heavy, but it is. Who or what do you live for? Who or what can you not live without? Fill in this blank. Blank is my life. What's your answer? Blank is my life. Where do you run to when you're discouraged, when you're, when you're in need, when, when you're at loss? Where do you run? You run to your God. It's where you run. When chips are down, you run to your God. Number seven. I'm sorry this is heavy, but this is the world we live in. Number seven. Idols are greedy masters. Idols are greedy masters. An idol keeps requiring. It It keeps demanding more. It keeps demanding more. The idol of sexual sin doesn't stay there. It gets bigger and uglier and stronger until it consumes the life. Moving along. What you, this is not original with me, but it is so true. What you idolize, you will eventually demonize. 
The thing that you raise to idolatry, if you are in Christ, you raise that thing up to that standard, it can never provide. It can never, it can't, it can't come through. You raise your kids to that kind of a standard. You raise your spouse to that kind of a standard. Be my life. They can't do it. They can't do it. Raise your, you know, your, your team, your, your sport, your hobby to that kind of life. And your child will hate you for driving them into this sport over and over and over. Why'd you do this to me? I've had, I've had children who are now young adults tell me this. I didn't want to keep playing softball, but my mom made me. What we idolize, we will demonize especially if you're in Christ. God will, listen, Isaiah 42, God Himself says, I will not share my glory with another. God won't do it. He will not allow it. Okay, can we get a little more positive now? What do you say? Okay, let me, let me try to encourage you now. With number nine. The rejection of idolatry. Okay? The rejection of idolatry is always resisted. It's always resisted. Alright? It's, it's just a fact of life. The world around us wants to chase idols. When you decide to turn around and to go against the current, you're going to be resisted. But I want to promise you something from God's Word. This is where you find God. This is where you find the blessing of His connection. This is where you find the intimacy that God has for you. This is where He finds you. When you say, I'm not going to chase after the idols. I'm going to make God my number one. I'm going to make Him number one in my life. I'm going to let Him rule as supreme. I'm going to let Him rule as king. John read it to us. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Draw near to God. And He will what? Draw near to you. And that's the last one up on the screen, I think. One more, buddy. God-centered life is God's greatest blessing. This is God's intention for us. And I know things rival His call in our life. I know that. I'm in the same world you're in. i got the same challenges you do. I'm not some weird pastor that doesn't know what it's like to live in the world. I know. But let's be in the world, not of it. It's what God has called us to. And if you're in Christ today, It's what He's conforming you to. And so Jesus said this. Now listen. Last thing I want to share with you is this. It's from John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Listen to it. The thief, this is Satan, comes to kill, to lie, to destroy. The thief comes to destroy. When the, the first time he came, we have recorded in the scripture, what did he come and do? Tried to usurp God in one of God's children's hearts. The thief comes to lie, steal, whoa, lie, steal, destroy, destroy. I can't 
can't, I can't get it right now. The thief comes to kill, destroy, and to lie. But Jesus comes, John 10, 10, to give life and life to the full. I want us to have that today. Not destruction, but life. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we want to confess to You, Lord, now how quick we run to other idols, other gods, other things. And Lord, I pray for deliverance right now. Lord, my, my heart is breaking for those that are trapped and feel they can't get out. God, I pray that You would rescue us and deliver us as You did the children of Israel. So we confess to You our tendency. But Lord, now we turn to You. And we ask that You would be the supreme in our life. Root out the idolatry and put Yourself on the throne, Lord. You alone deserve it. You alone brought us to this place. You alone have brought us life through Your Son. We pray this in His name. Amen.